0: Welcome to Igris Moshe A to Z. I'm Rabbi Dov Linzer, Rosh HaYeshivan, president of Yeshivat Chove Rabbinical School. We're gonna be doing two episodes uh, relating to Pesach itself beyond the Seder, both about various minhagim, customs on Pesach. One on the custom of kitniyot, and the other on the custom of gebrachs, of uh, broken matzah mixed up with water. Um, and both of these, Rav Moshe deals with in the third section of Orchayim, and they are both from the 1960s. And this is uh, fascinating, both in terms of understanding these particular minhagim um, and also seeing a general approach Rav Moshe has to minhagim in general. Uh, really very uh, stark and uh, maybe even startling uh, p- uh, positions of Rav Moshe are expressed uh, in each of these tissue vote. So uh, for this episode, we're going to look at the issue of kitniot, And in the next episode, we will look at Gibrox. So let's take a look at his tshuva on kitniot. This is from Gimel Samach Gimel three sixty three in Orachaim, and it's from uh, nineteen sixty six. And the heading is as follows: B'inyan <speaking in Hebrew> peanut chash <speaking in Hebrew> Regarding the peanut, is there a concern of kitniyot? Uh, If there would not be, if we would not be practicing the problem of peanuts with kitniot, we could have peanut butter um, on Pesach. So uh, certainly my sense that nowadays pretty much all Ashkenazi Jews treat peanuts as a issue of kitniot. But interestingly, if you were to look at the OU website in their list of what is and what is not kitniot, peanuts appear under a list of might be kitniot. So this might be is exactly what Rav Moshe discusses um, in this tshuva. Now, let's talk about where, in general, the practice of kitniyos comes from. This was something that was introduced in the period of the Rishonim, around the uh, 13th century or so, in the Ashkenazim, uh, specifically in the Ashkenazi world. And um, they noted a practice of not eating various types of legumes, although we'll discuss in a minute that this was not universal. And um, some of the Rishonim uh, favored it or at least defended it, and others were very strongly against it. Um, And those who came to defend it uh, uh, gave a number of reasons. Um, The first uh, reason, or the first set of reasons, was that it is like uh, wheat in some ways, like grain in some ways, um, planted in fields, harvested, although the harvesting would seem to be a little different than the way wheat is harvested. Um, And I think most significantly, it can be turned into flour um, or turned into other types of food products that are very similar to what you would do with wheat. And therefore, uh, we won't eat kidney because that will come to us eating uh, other types of wheat and grain. That's one set of reasons. Um, The other set of reasons is that because they were often planted in fields together with wheat, or nearby wheat fields, or grain fields in general, um, it was very hard to make sure that w- there would not be any grain or any uh, grain flour uh, mixed up with these kidneys. Um So those are the two sets of reasons that are given. Babes Yosef, Rav Yosef Cairo, uh, mentions these reasons that existed in the Ashkenazi. We've shown him whether this was... Um, uh, something a good minhag, a good practice, or uh, one that was nonsense. And after recording all of these positions, he, end, uh, he, he ends with the following words. He says, "Valest halalu Nobody is concerned with these types of issues except for the Ashkenazim. So first of all, a very svardi centric perspective, right? The Ashkenazim are the other, not that the Sfardim are the other. And this is some, you know, nonsense that the Ashkenazim, some of the Ashkenazim are worried about. We Sfardim don't even begin this conversation at all. And of course, I think it's this time of year that uh, many Ashkenazim feel that if anything were to motivate them to consider to become Sephardim, um, maybe there would be other things, but kidney, the non-eating of kidney's uh, would definitely be very high up on the list. Uh, nevertheless, um, and I should also mention that there are some sfardi communities that have adopted it from particular geographic regions, but basically it's a practice unknown in the sfardi world. Um, nevertheless, right there, the remote comments, not surprisingly, are the dark emotion. Uh, you know, Rav Moshe Israelis here, his commentary on the tour, and he comments. But of course, we are Ashkenazim, which is, by the way, interesting because Ashkenazim really means Germany. But we in Eastern Europe are descendant of German Jews, and therefore, or France, French and German Jews, and therefore, this practice continues among us. So that's the basic reason and um, for it, and how we as Ashkenazim have or. Ashkenazim, I hope some of my listeners are not just Ashkenazim, how Ashkenazim have um, this practice of not eating kitniot on Pesach. But now the question becomes, um, what is considered kitniot? I mean, we normally translate it as legumes, but we know that not all legumes are included. So if you uh, take a look, um, just a site here from, for example, the OU website, it says the following. It says... Uh, The early post can mention that rice, buckwheat, kasha, millet, beans, lentils, peas, sesame seeds, and mustard are included in the minhag. Um, and it is generally accepted that corn, um, green beans, snow peas, sugar snap peas, chickpeas, soybeans, sunflower, and poppy seed, they're also forbidden. Now, by the way, corn is a new world grain. So it obviously was not originally um, in, or not a grain, but you know, but that's something that certainly grows very similar um, to wheat, but it's a new world type of a product. So it certainly was not originally part of the custom. And nevertheless, that is a major kidney house. That's why we all need kosher le Pesach soda because of the corn syrup and so on. Um, so this is the list that's given, um, but it's not exactly clear you know, what's in this list and what's not. Uh, they don't all share the same characteristics. There are things that have these characteristics that are not in the list. And that, of course, raises the question about how are we to determine what is and is not kidneyose. And uh, in the contemporary day, you know, the big issue was around quinoa, which is something that a lot of people think this is fabulous. This isn't in the list of kidneyose, and this is something that uh, is grain-like and can give us like a source of, um, you know, starch and fill us up um, on Pesach. Um, and some people um, are totally fine with it not being kitniyos, And uh, some conscious organizations have decided to classify it as kitneos. Even if it's not kitniyos. of course, you have to worry, is it free from chametz flour and so on? Um, but that is, these are some of the issues that, of course, are debated. So what's the story with peanuts? Well, let's take a look and see um, what Rav Moshe says about this. And again, this is from 1966, um, and this is addressed to Yedidi Moreno Rav Yaakov Goldman, Shlita. And here's what he says. So first Rav Moshe just starts. Here was the practice in Europe. Um, many, many places, they had no problem with peanuts on Pesach. But you, the questioner, you said, how could that be? How could that be that they ate peanuts? Aren't peanuts just as logically in the category of kidneyos as everything else? There are places where they make peanut flour. So that's one of the reasons why we don't use kitneos, because of its similarity um, to, uh, you know, to grain flour, um, and you can make similar products. And also they're planted in the same way that uh, kitneos are planted. So, um, and therefore, you know, just logically in terms of, the genre that they are a part of. They should be in the category of kitneos. So here's what Rav Moshe responds. But you actually, you know that this really is not the point. The point is not whether the same reason or characteristics apply. So now we would say, really, that's not the point? I thought that was the whole point of the minhag. So shouldn't it extend to things in which these same reasons apply? So let's see what he says. We do not say that anything that you can make flour out of is forbidden, because just think for a minute, what would that mean? We couldn't use any form of flour. Of course, there goes all our wonderful potato flour products. So Rabbi Moshe says, that the, you know, we all use potato flour for making potato flour on Pesach. Here in America, in Europe, and this was always the practice to use uh, potato flour. I wasn't aware of that, but apparently. And nobody ever suggested that potatoes would be considered to be kitnios. So obviously, it doesn't just go by whether the logic and the reason of the kitnios practice uh, should extend to that particular or, um, uh, um, uh, you know, a vegetable or food. So then, um, what is it then if that's not what it is? So Rav Moshe says, So let's talk about the other reason. Maybe it's not about that you make flour out of it, but let's talk about the other reason. How about the flat fact that, you know, you might sometimes get some uh, grain products that are mixed up with it. You no, know, that obviously is not a sufficient reason to determine what is and is not git Why? Because he says, anis Because when it comes to caraway seeds or um, or uh, anise seeds, those we know that often they would get mixed with uh, with uh, wheat and barley seeds. Nevertheless, nevertheless says Rav Moshe. Um, and we even know it would be very hard to make them kosher pesach. So there would be a really good reason to put those in the kittanyos category. And nevertheless, he says, um, that the post came right, um that it's even in the Ramad, that these are, that's not in the category. So here we have things you make flour out of, like potatoes, that's not in the category. Things that might get uh, chametz, you know, or grain products mixed up, All of this, there are things like that that are not in the category. So it's quite clear that the reasons don't dictate what is and what is not in the category. Okay, so what does dictate? So Rav Moshe says, and then, by the way, he throws in that you have something like chardal, like mustard, okay, that that is included in the Kittanyos problem. We all know we can't have mustard on Pesach if you're Ashkenazi. He says, Mm -hmm. and none of these really reasons apply in any legitimate way to mustard. So, when the reasons apply it's not necessarily kitneo's some things are kitneo's that the reasons don't apply to so what the heck is going on here what is and what is not in the category? It's, it's such a great question and let's see what his answer is his answer is what's in the category is what the minug what the minug started with and that, because it's a minhag at the end of the day, it's not a halacha, I mean, it's, it's a halacha they have to follow, minhagim, but it is ultimately based on what the custom and what the practice was. So he says like this, he says, The only things that are included in kitnios are things that were explicitly indicated that were part of this practice, so if a postgim, the early postgim that we shown him, maybe the ma writes, here is what the practice is, that's mifarash, or mashia dua umiforsam. if there was something that was, you know, well known, that the entire community treated as kitneos, that would also be in the list, even if it wasn't, let's say, explicitly mentioned um, in some of the earlier postgum. But basically, the minog is limited to what the minhog was when it got started, the early list of kitneos. Now, as I mentioned earlier, you know, that's not totally true, because corn, which is very grain-like, um, you know, de- definitely came into the minhag, and that was a new world grain that was after the minhag began. Um, so maybe when there's something that's really compelling and really, you know, you know, somewhat identical or close to identical to the, uh, you know, to the uh, other things, although corn isn't like the other kidneys But um, those types of things that are really compelling, maybe those will say, okay, those are obviously in the minhag. Those obviously would have been included at the outset. Um, but anything else, says Rav Moshe, the minhag is what the minhag is. Now, this is a really important principle that comes up in Rav Moshe time and again. Um, and not only by Min minhagim, even by certain Drabbanans. you know, sometimes there's issues about, you know, is such a thing forbidden forbidden, rabbinically? Well, since the rabbis forbade X because of this con- a certain concern, they certainly would forbade, forbid Y because of a similar concern. So like a question, maybe playing certain games on Shabbat where normally you keep score by writing it down. Um, so we know that the rabbis forbade certain activities on Shabbat you'll come to write down. Did they forbid playing games? Um, did they, no. Did they ever say, don't do anything you'll come to write down? No, they listed specific activities. So Rav Moshe's general approach is we don't extend rabbinic they wrote um, beyond what their original, articulation was and their original um, uh, you know, um, formulation was, um, even if the logic applies. Now, he does not keep to that consistently. There are times where he says, maybe similar to the corn point about kidney there are places where he says, obviously, they would have included this. This is so much identical and similar to the original thing. Um, but generally, he says, it's limited to what the original Takana was, and all the more so by a minhug and by a custom where it's sourced in practice and it's sourced in that earlier practice. So let's see what he says. Um, so he, why was it that the original practice was limited to certain things and not and not others? So here's what he says. He says, look, this thing that was forbidden by minhag, it's not something that was a rabbinic ruling. If it were a rabbinic ruling, then the rabbis could, sometimes they might, as I said a minute ago, uh, forbid certain activities, but they could also make more broader parameters. Don't do activity X, which, you know, any activities that could lead to writing. Um, Don't eat any types of uh, vegetables or legumes or so on, which might have chametz mixed into them or which which you can make a flower from. So, if it were a drabanan they could have set abstract uh, parameters, and uh, then it would have in- continued to include new things that fit into those parameters. But Rav Moshe says it was not a uh, something that was a rabbinic ruling. It was a minhag. It was a practice, and practice is exactly that. What were the people practicing? <laughs> Dagan. So he says. First of all, he has an interesting phrase, "hin higu," which is "he feel." The sages, a sort of um, uh, accustomed the people. Uh, I don't want to say um, enforced but, um, or imposed, but, uh, you know, began a custom and uh, amongst the people to not eat kidneys. So it's very interesting that, first of all, that Rav Moshe is choosing to say that this started with the rabbis and as opposed to a lot of minhagim that start with the people um, and then maybe gets an endorsement from the rabbis. So I'm not exactly sure why he says this, you know, maybe because in some of the Rishonim it speaks about some of the Rishonim having this practice, but it's not clear that that meant that they then went ahead and sort of, you know, encouraged the populace to adopt it. Anyway, this is how Ruf Moshe frames it, maybe to give it the extra weight, because we do know that we treat kitniots, you know, in a very weighty way, um, raises a different question, right? Why, when it comes to other minhagim, can we sort of say, well, you know, some people have a minhag doing kaparas, you know, that was, you know, that was, you know, the, the minhag back in Europe, but I don't do it nowadays. You know, kitniots have something that have really adopted the real... On the one hand, it's a minhag. On the other hand, because it is so much embedded in the laws of Pesach, it really almost becomes, it's been like halachicized, um, uh, which could lead to expanding the category, as we said, because you abstract. But it also, you know, really develops a very heavy type of a weight. So it could be that that's why Rav Moshe is framing it, that this was something that began with the rabbis. But that's not really the focus right now. The focus is, he says, they set, that practice began with their, with certain specific types of, you know, uh, vegetables and legumes. Um, and Shahaya matsui l'ochlam, and those were the most common... And why? Because of the reasons given, you know, maybe it'll be mixed up with grain, um, maybe it'll be confused with grain, okay? And then he says, um, Since it wasn't a rabbinic enactment and it wasn't said in abstract ways, don't eat anything that might have grain mixed up, et cetera. Um, but it was very specific about, don't eat the following products. So therefore, that was the minhag. It was about the specifics. Lo neestru elahaminim shelo Only those original uh, product, uh, th- those original types of vegetables and legumes. Nothing else. The lo sharminim shelo hinigu, and not other things that were not part of that original practice. Because. Even if it was completely historical accident that those things weren't around when this practice started, it doesn't matter. The practice is what the practice is, or what the practice was, um, and it is very specific to those original, uh, you know, to that original list. So potatoes, right, which again was not sort of discovered till the 16th century, um, you know, by uh, the rest of Europe. So that's why potatoes were not included. Okay. The eluminim shenagul lasur avsheish otot tamamash. Even though the reason is exactly the same. De ain mi minhug, and here's the key line, so anybody who's following inside, double line this and highlight this. mi minug lesor gamdava shalon asur. You cannot learn from a minhug to apply it to new things that were not part of the original minhug, even if the reason still um, exists, or even if the reason should uh, be applied to this new thing. Now, again, if we were to take this Revmosha to its logical conclusion, um, it would be a much smaller list of kitniyos, and corn wouldn't be included. And a lot of other things. So I would, you know, encourage you to ask your local rabbi, or to ask the OU, or the Chafke, um, or, or, you know, the CRC. Um, on what basis do they decide whether to add new types of uh, vegetables or legumes um, uh, to this list? And what is the issue around things like um, quinoa? Uh, given that, you know, Rav Moshe is sort of very clear on this point, and we clearly don't just always apply the logic. We don't apply it to potatoes, as Rav Moshe says. So, uh, you know, and at the same time, I think we are all, uh, you know, um, witness to the fact that the list of kitneos continues to grow, um, and that's a real serious question. Now, of course, it is possible that people choose to uh, to extend the practice, and then, the minhag, then there's a new minhag, you know, the old minhag was a certain list, the new minhag is more, but Uh, That's not normally the way it works. Normally the way it works is that a rabbi or rabbis or some central cautious organization decides whether to include something um, on the list. And for the way Rav Moshe is approaching it, there's really uh, no basis for that type of an approach. So now he continues, and he says the following. And when potatoes did become prevalent, right, why didn't we extend it there? So the rabbis of the generation did not want to extend it to potatoes. Maybe because people did need some type of flour on Pesach, so maybe they wanted to but they just felt it would be too big of an imposition. Or just because, let's face it, the original reasons for the minhag are not so compelling. Um, and then he says, you know, if you look at the base Yosef, Rabbeinu Yeruchim says it's a minhag shtos. This was the debate in the Ashkenazim. And he says even Rabbeinu Yechiel, another great Ashkenazi reshon really sa- sounds like not only did they not personally practice this, but they even, uh, you know, Uh, defied this minhag in places where the practice uh, was in place. So, of course, again, now we have really adopted it uh, totally throughout Ashkenazi Jewry and treated it very weightily. But Ramosha says, if we're being honest, the original reasons were not super compelling, and therefore we have no interest in extending it beyond its original parameters. And I, you know, I think that that's a very um, significant point because uh, it this issue. Okay, we do have potato flour, but the issue that more and more have to be excluded from Pesach, you know, does turn Pesach into a um, you know into a holiday where you. You know where you where where you don't have the same type of palate and food availabilities. Let alone people um, who really need a greater range because of health issues. Of course, kidneys doesn't apply in cases of health issues. But regardless, uh, Rav Moshe is saying that really here the idea is fine. That's the minhag, but we're going to keep it to the original list because we do understand um, a that the reasons themselves are not super compelling, and b that extending the list does create hardship. <laughs> (laughs) Therefore, they did not want to go ahead and add other ones, again, with the exception of corn and with the exception of the practice nowadays. Um, Okay. And therefore, so that's why Rav Moshe says, that's why we have our current status. Some things that belong on the list aren't on the list. Some things maybe that that didn't make so much sense, like mustard got on the list because there was some reason at that time. Um, And it is about that original list. Okay? And therefore, Rav Moshe says, So certainly the peanut they did not forbid because that was never on the list. And now here's the idea is that the minna could possibly expand um, but if there is not already a practice not to, to eat the minhag, ein you should not make it forbidden just be, the, the, we have no motivation as rabbis to extend the minhag. Ein you should not be strict um, in these types of matters minhag if you do have a particular minhag, it's you know if you really are no no you know my family where we came from we never ate peanuts so the shalo peanut peanut fine then for you, it's forbidden. If you say, I don't know, I don't know if we ever really had that practice of peanuts. or Maybe some people in the town did, etc. So if there's any doubts, as Rav Moshe, there is no reason to extend this to peanuts. Um, it's only if that is per- very specifically and particularly your minhag. So therefore, Rav Moshe says, you should give a kasher lepesach, on um, peanuts. Why do you need a kasher lepesach? For, because... If there is a concern, you know, that flour and other types of things could get mixed in, it needs that kasha le but there is, kitneos do not apply. Um, and therefore, you can give that hasha. And anybody who does not already have a mina can eat it. Peanut oil, mehai taiman, and that's why also peanut oil. And that's also an interesting question. Certain products that are more recent additions to the list, um, sometimes post-skim are more lenient when it comes to derivatives such as oil and so on. So Rav Moshe acknowledges that it's. He says there is nothing intrinsic, um, um, you know, within the minhag that would force or somebody to extend it even if the same reasons apply a minog is what the minog is the only thing that could extend it is if for whatever reason this was your personal minog your family's minhag, the minog of your town or if the sages decided to minhiggu, um, uh, make ad, adopt this minhag and sort of you know extend this minhag for the people and get the people to extend it, and then the people adopted that, then it does become a minhag, which you know raises interesting questions nowadays. You know, again, this interesting dynamic between uh, the kashris agencies and the people, and the kashris agencies will they say that it is kitniyos, so that leads to the people not eating it and so on, and you know again i think it's a really interesting question um, what type of factors and policies are being considered um, when these cautious agencies decide what is and is not on the list because for revmosha the general orientation should be there is there you know no reason to be adding to this list um, and uh, particularly because of the increased hardship um, and uh, therefore you know really really limit this list to what it originally was um, again there are some exceptions like corn which make a lot of sense um, but anyway that's rev approach but it is is uh, not the sort of current approach with, uh, you know, in terms of the lists uh, by the kosher agencies where there does seem to be maybe not an com- over the board expansion of it, um, but certainly an expansion beyond uh, that original list. So uh, I hope that uh, you follow whatever a rabbi or a hechcher, um, that you trust in terms of this, and uh, you should have a, a Pesach that is not only kasher, but also one that is a fully uh, culinary delight. Thanks for listening to Igros Moshe A to Z, now celebrating 10,000 listens. This podcast is brought to you three times a week by Yeshivat Chovevei Torah. To learn more, visit yctorah.org.